Hi, welcome back to the H&H Hour. We're so glad that you're joining us. My name is Heidi Bolt, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Heather Taves. And we are so excited about our guest today, aren't we, Heather? Well, I'm especially excited. Yes. Because he's a very handsome 40-year-old. Yes. That I am married to. Yeah. So we're welcoming my brother-in-law, Chris Taves, to the podcast tonight. Hi, Chris. Hi. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. So, Heidi, it's July 3rd. Yeah. We're recording this. And we don't always air the um, recordings the next day that right. we record or right away. Um, sometimes we air them weeks later. Right. But tonight, we're actually recording um, this one right before the 4th of July. And we're going to air it tomorrow on the 4th of July on Independence Day. Yes. Um, but it's kind of ironic because Chris is Canadian. <laughs> Well, but Canada just celebrated its 150th birthday two days ago on the 1st. Oh, perfect. Yes. So it's it's all good. We can be patriotic together. And the 1st was your 40th birthday? Yes. So just so much celebrating. Oh my goodness. Celebrating for weeks. So like fireworks for so many things. I know. We have been celebrating for weeks and it's I been know. awesome. And it's I think good. we should do it again next year. <laughs> I know. I know. We, well, we don't have anybody turning 40 next year, but I guess we could celebrate me turning 39. Well, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you turning 30, however old you're going to be? Six. Something like that. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Youngsters. So, yeah, youngsters. youngsters. You can say that now because you're 40. Mm. Hashtag Chris is 40. We are not. Yeah. For sure. Well, we were doing sparklers because I had this brilliant idea to do sparklers. Mm -hmm. And I was at the grocery store and I was like, oh, fun, sparklers. Never again. Yeah, you about singed your thumb off. My thumb from my cuticle down all the way to like where my thumb ends, basically. Yeah, it's gray. Gray and a giant bubble and it hurts so bad. I'm so sorry. So if you have sparklers, throw them out right now. They're dangerous. Well, and our brother-in-law is a PA, yeah. surgical PA, and he says that they see so many injuries every 4th of July from fireworks. So Yet he didn't step in and stop this. That's true. He was there. He let, he let the, the blisters, the blisters happen. happen. I've just decided, you know those little, I don't know what they're called, but they're like, they look like tiny little white. The, uh, the poppers? Po- yeah, those yeah. popper things. Yeah. That, I can do that. That's the extent that's of your ex- celebration? That's it. That's it. <laughs> Okay. No, no more dangerous firework things. Yeah. So, well, Chris, you were actually one of our our first guests, along with Kip. Yeah. Um, Heidi's that's husband. Right. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Way back, twenty um, some episodes ago. Yeah. Which is awesome that we've come this far. Yeah. It's been um, fun. But you just have some incredible stories. I, I think. I mean, I'm married to you, and I've heard them now for twenty years, and I I'm still just like wow really cool stories. And so we thought you'd be kind of fun to have on to hear your stories and talk to you a little bit more about what it's like to be Canadian. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> eh? Actually, I call you Can-American because you've lived in America longer. Longer now than now than you yeah. lived in Canada. Yeah. So. That's crazy. Yeah, but crazy you're not awesome. a, you're not a citizen, right? No, I am a Could you be? legal permanent resident. So you have a green card. Yes. Is it actually green? Uh, the one I have now is actually green, yes. It hmm. is? Yeah. Huh. They're not all, though, right? No, they didn't all used to be. Yeah. Hmm. I think they made them green because there was an outcry. Some of them were pink. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's odd. Doesn't I make sense. I feel like if it's called green card, it needs to be green. I would think so. Yes. Okay, so could you be a citizen? 
I could. You could. Yes. And and you you have chosen not to yet, or what? What's that um, whole story? I may. I did not know I was going to be interrogated about my citizenship. <laughs> um, this is part of the process. I'm a citizen of heaven. There you go. First and foremost. There you no. go. Um, yeah, I could be. I think probably uh, I will start the application process for that. Mm-hmm. I, High five. I have the papers. Yeah, but, but and you don't have to give up your Canadian citizenship. Which no, is, I wouldn't want to give up my, right, my Canadian. Which is important because that's part of your who part you of are. My heritage, part yeah. of your heritage. So um hockey and beavers and um igloos. Igloos and maple syrup. <laughs> in <laughs> no particular order. And toques. And toques. Toques. And poutine. Poutine, I don't know this. Oh, Heather, tell them about poutine. Oh my goodness. It doesn't sound appropriate <laughs> <laughs> it's very appropriate it is it's so good it's french fries with <laughs> heidi's already got this horrified look on her face with gravy on top and cheese curds. and then cheese curds oh that sounds delicious oh it is to die for and the best poutine that i've ever had was actually thanksgiving style poutine and it had sliced um turkey cranberries Ooh. and big huge mozzarella cheese curds on it oh my word it is like a party in your mouth okay i think we need to do that for the fourth of july tomorrow instead of grilling out oh poutine let's do poutine a a poutine party yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so you said toque um i know there are a lot of people out there like i have no idea what a toque is okay a toque is what uh, americans would refer to as a stocking cap (laughs) it's the thing that keeps your head warm in winter yes but we call them toques. Well, I remember the first time you visited our house way back when you and Heather were just getting to know each other, and it was quite cold out, and you said something about, oh, I'm going to go in and get my toque. <laughs> oh, my word. Did he say it like that? We were like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Well, you said weird things like, um, let me dip you some of that. I'm like, what are you dipping me? You know. mean like instead of serve? Like here, I'll serve the potatoes? Yeah, yeah, let me dip these potatoes. I'm like, what? <laughs> What are you going to do with the potatoes? That's true. That is weird. I know. Her family does say that. Yeah, it's, it's strange. Hmm. We'll have to fix that. But now I know this strange culture that I live in. <laughs> the, strange, the strange culture. I've assimilated. Yeah, that's so true. before we like cruise into some of your really cool stories, what is... You know this because you listen to our podcast, which... Are you a fan of our podcast? I am a fan. And um, obviously I'm biased because I'm married to... Right, one you, of the H's. One of the H's, and mm-hmm. I'm very close friends with the other H. Right. But no, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. and um, you guys have good stuff. Thanks. Keep it going. Thanks. It's awesome. We've had some cool guests. Really we have. Good content, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we ask, you know this, we ask everyone, what is something about your life that feels or you think is ordinary? Um, why don't we skip to the extraordinary question because it's okay it's Wait kind of who's leading this podcast who's yeah the host exactly of this podcast? i have come to take over the hosting duties um, okay so what's something that's extraordinary it's kind of a dual answer for me since okay. i answered it once i'm going to change my answer okay. or sure. have a different answer okay. so for me something that i've been processing the last few years is learning to love myself hmm. learning to really this sounds weird but to fall in love with who god made me to be Hmm. because i think there's a lot of people out there that are including myself that are trying to be somebody that they're not Mm -hmm. and i've i've been there i've done that um i still fall into those patterns but to when when you really find that place where um 
where you where God really intended you to function and who he made you to be and you're not trying to imitate somebody else hmm. I think that's both ordinary and extraordinary hmm. and um, so something because if you don't love yourself you can't love others yeah um, and you can't you really can't love God back because you're you're reflecting you're basically um, slamming the door in his face because hmm. that's who he made you to be yeah um, so that's what I've been processing the last little while that's so good you know God's word says to love your neighbor as you love yourself mm-hmm. yeah and so if we're yeah self-deprecating yeah self-hating yeah tearing ourselves down that outflow is going to be negativity towards our yeah. neighbors and right. our friends and the people around yeah. us that's right that's well so and don't good, you Chris. think that so many of us i mean you said it chris have this sort of self-hate image mm-hmm. like where we we don't see ourselves as good enough and we don't see ourselves as um successful enough or pretty enough or thin enough or mm-hmm. whatever it, the case may be and we we're the hardest on ourselves where god really he says that he mm-hmm. wants us to be loving ourselves right. and mm-hmm. out of that like you said that outflow then yeah. goes into others well we were we were created in the goodness of god mm-hmm. so obviously we fell we we sinned right. and we stepped away from him but yeah. we still have that goodness that he made us in yeah and so i'm not talking about sin issues right like sin issues are a different sort of thing that we right. have to deal with but actually loving who god created me to be in the in the and finding in the gifts and talents that he created me to be and not trying to be somebody else, yeah. but to be who I'm supposed to be. And then to, when you find that, to walk in that and be proud in a good way of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what so I'm learning. How did you start to figure this out? Cause I don't feel like it's just like you wake up one day and you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna love who I am. Right, like how did you identify that it's something you needed or wanted to work on? That's a great question. Like are there practical uh, steps that you feel like you took or do you feel like it was the Holy Spirit sort of putting this this thought into your mind and you you were meditating on it and praying about it and thinking about it? I think it's a process just like life is a process, but learning to um, enjoy that process. Uh, and the process might not always be fun and easy, mm-hmm. um, but I think the biggest... The biggest thing that the issues that we fight in our life or the biggest thing that we opportunities that we have are issues of the heart mm-hmm. and issues of, um, you know, what ha- what's happening on the inside of somebody, the places that nobody else sees, mm-hmm. um, the times when no one else sees them, the uh, the thoughts that you battle with and what you do with those thoughts and um, that inner battle, that inner, inner turmoil. And I think that's what I've been wrestling with and um working on the last i'd say three or four years Hmm. what's interesting that you say that because um i wouldn't have been able to put a time frame on it Mm -hmm. but i can tell i mean you've always been such a great guy Mm -hmm. you've also been you've always been full of very much humility Mm -hmm. and um just a ton of love for people and for jesus but i could have pointed to that and said Mm -hmm that I noticed you started being mm-hmm. intentional about something. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't have known that it was like a heart mm-hmm. thing, like, like examining your heart. Yeah. But for sure, I've seen the fruit of that coming out of your life. So well done. Yeah, well, and I just told him we were driving home from a little trip yesterday or the day before. I don't know. My days are all mixed up. Mm-hmm. That's what a month of traveling will do to you. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, but I just told him that I think this last year of our lives has been my favorite year 
with him yet. That's so cool. With you yet. And it's... That's such a gift to get to say that at your 17 of marriage. Is it 17? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a huge gift. And it's not because... I mean, we've done some awesome things. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to discredit that we've had some amazing experiences. Sure. And got to travel around and have great friends and amazing family Mm -hmm. and... um, but the reason that I have loved it so much is because, Chris, I feel like you have become the man that God created you to be in mm-hmm. so many ways. In, in, a, in being a husband and being a father and being a leader and being a man who just is seeking after God. Mm-hmm. And that has, that, your seeking after God has caused this overflow into the rest of your life and it's affected everyone around you, including me. Yes. So, sure. I, you know, that's just a really cool thing to look back mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, it's been my favorite year with you yet. That's cool. Well, does it's seek first? Yeah. And all these things will be added. I haven't always, you know, seeked first. Yeah. His kingdom, but yeah, it's true. It makes a difference, I doesn't think it? When you do oh, yeah. that, when you, when you seek Him first, and everything else is added, then it's just the overflow. Yeah. That spills over. So. That's really good. It's this so is good. so funny and so completely <laughs> awkward okay. and off the topic. But I just looked down and thought you were in your underwear. <laughs> Who, awesome. me or Chris? Chris. Oh. <laughs> what? But he's not. I'm not. I'm in black, <laughs> sport black shorts. sports shorts. That would have been really awkward. You're causing people to swerve all over the interstate right now. <laughs> Listen, this is how we roll. I know. Just keeping it real. Keeping okay. it real. It's like the first time that our sister-in-law, sister-in-love Blake met you. At our house. Oh, yeah. That's true. I was in my That's underwear. That's an awesome story. Yeah. Can you tell that story? So... Um, a lot of times, I don't know if I do so much anymore. But this was but, a long time. This was yeah. Like, this what, was like I don't know six many years, years ago, ago yeah. seven years ago. Um, just sitting on our couch and and our we had a smaller house at the time yep. and our the couch faced the door and the door right. had basically a window in it. So yeah. you, if you were at the door looking in, you could see in. See into the window. And so we were I was just home chilling. Yeah, it was a Saturday afternoon. I was chilling in my underwear <laughs> on the couch, you know, watching sports, whatever. Right. Watching fairies. Like fair- all men do. Watching fairies with jewels. Who, yeah. who knows what I was doing? And all of a sudden I see Isaac and um, this girl I'd never seen before His at the door. His new girlfriend. His new girlfriend yeah. at the door. And, you know, there was nothing you could do to hide it. I just kind of slowly reached over, grabbed a couch pillow, and put it on top of myself. Wilder would have said, whoopsie daisy. (laughs) So it's all good. It's a fun memory Blake loves me. You guys laugh about it. Yep. So funny. Boxers. Well, I'm glad you're in sport shorts now, for Heidi's sake. (laughs) Gracious. It it wouldn't have shocked me growing up with four brothers. I may not have even noticed. That's true. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about when you were 15, because you have a crazy story of an experience that you had that just, I, that very few people okay. have had this experience. Um, so give us a little bit of history about why you had this experience, and then tell us what happened, and then we'll, we'll talk about some of those things. Okay. And the, um, I grew up in Canada, and I uh, went to a Christian school for... Uh, until grade through grade three and then my parents pulled me out for various reasons and home homeschooled me and uh when i was 15 in a particular homeschool program that we were involved with uh, there were some opportunities to do some short-term missions um slash education overseas um and and in the u.s as well one of those opportunities was in russia 
And so I was 15 years old. Um, I raised some money and went over to Moscow, Russia for four months. At 15, At 15 years old. And what year would this have been? This would have been 1993. Okay, so we're not... ninety-three. We're not talking like today Russia. No. We're talking no. still fairly scary, not entirely safe Russia. Yeah, so definitely not safe. It um, There's a lot of things happening. Russia had just come out of communism right. in 1991 mm-hmm. or so. So this is only two years later. Yeah, so well. there was a lot going on there uh, as far as like Western influences coming in to try to, uh, you know, economically mm-hmm. build business and different things. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people there that were still holding on to, to communism mm-hmm. and the group mm-hmm. of Because that. that's what they knew. That's all Absolutely. they would known that for their whole lifetime. Right. Um, and I just remember landing um, in Moscow and then thinking, like, did somebody switch the the color off hmm. like it was everything looked black and white huh. it's like i went into a black and black and white movie hmm. and uh we drove around in like just huge apartment buildings that they all looked the same hmm. um communism you know they built hmm. everything the same yeah. everybody had the same yeah. and so but it just seemed so colorless and joyless and hmm. lifeless huh. um now there were pockets of people that i met that were they were awesome. The, the church, the underground church was thriving. Mm-hmm. And so it actually started booming at that point because they'd been given their freedom. And one of the things we did was just went around in their huge subway system and hand out tracks to people. Of course, we didn't speak the language, mm-hmm. but we handed out um, tracks. And it, the response you would get was either people like looking at it and throwing it on the floor and mm-hmm. like, you know, cursing at you. Yeah. Or... I, I just remember this old babushka grandmother and gave, giving it to her and she just started crying and mm-hmm. weeping. And, um, because she was searching? No, because um, because she like she was so excited like people had come to oh. talk about Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. So, okay, so you're 15. Mm-hmm. Was that your first experience with kind of like street ministry, like evangelism um, in that type of setting? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty intimidating. It is. Especially at 15 years old in a new country. Yes. And it was very intimidating. I mean, you didn't know the language. We we're basically on our own in, in groups to yeah. travel around with. but to And we got around the whole um, city on subway. Wow. And they have a huge, one of the biggest subway systems in the world. Um, some of their subways were built to withstand nuclear bombs because, you know, the, the Cold War was, right. when they were building it, the Cold War was going on. And so these subway systems are way down in the ground. You take escalators for miles down, not miles literally, but right. way down there. And just they're so ornate and beautiful. But hmm. there's several of them that were key subway stations that could handle like thousands of people. And they had food supplies down there wow. in the case of an attack wow. by the U.S. on them back in the day Um, so just some of the history and I I was always fascinated by Russian history growing up the czars and then um, the communism you know I I think we a lot of us that grew up in that time period Mm -hmm. um, certainly people a little bit before myself our Mm -hmm. generation before Mm -hmm. you know feared the Soviets and um, what could happen I thought it was like the end of biblical right uh, times so to speak Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, talking about the Soviet Union as a young child mm-hmm. and being scared, being scared of them. Okay. Movies like Red Dawn and yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, I didn't see Red Dawn, but <laughs> I thought. Well, we can rent it for you. I think I've seen it since, but so okay. This is incredible to me. Talk to us about where you lived when you were there. So when we stayed there, we stayed on the Volga River on a cruise ship. Now, don't think like nice Bahamas. Like Disney cruise ship. Disney's <laughs> cruise ship. No, it was basically um, you walk in. There was a room, maybe ten foot long by five foot wide, and your bunk bed was right there. As soon as you walk in your door, the bathroom was to the left, and you walked in. And it was basically a shower. Like the bathroom was a shower. Hmm. So hmm. you had this little curtain that you kind of pulled around to block the door hmm. and like a sink there. And the, the hose came out from the sink and it became your shower head. Wow. So it was like this little tiny hmm. room. And we lived, uh, we lived there for four months. But I remember playing chess with uh, um, the crew members on the boat and hmm. they just smoke us all at chess hmm. you know the best american that we had they'd take us down in like three moves or something hmm. so they were they're just sitting there smoking and and uh pounding their vodka and they'd be three sheets to the wind and mm-hmm. they'd just destroy us wow they just had fun with us yeah that's crazy awesome i did not know that you lived on a boat for four months mm-hmm. borscht every morning that is crazy our last guest on the podcast, yeah, I grew heard that. up on a boat, yeah. yeah, and I about I know, could, I just crazy. couldn't even comprehend that lifestyle. But and I we did were not know that we were like you. docked the whole time I was there, except for one one weekend we took a little river cruise, hmm. um, and it was fall. It was beautiful. Hmm. Um, I remember going to these little we docked at this little town, maybe a couple hours up up the river, and um, it was awesome. So I know you've talked to you've told our kids stories about sneaking out to some place you were told wherever you go do not go here so about a month into our stay there was september i got there in september on october early october like second third i can't remember the exact date it's 1993 uh the parliament which is they call their white house it's it's a white building but it's their parliament um boris yeltsin was the president and um parliament uh, tried to uh, coup d'etat. Hmm. So they took control of the parliament hmm. physically. Hmm. Well, um, they had it for a day or two, and Boris Yeltsin, though, had the allegiance of the army. Hmm. So he called in the tanks, he called in the commanders, and they literally came in to downtown Moscow and they shelled the parliament, the White House. And we're sitting there watching this. We were in our Russian history class when this happened. And all of on a sudden, the boat? on the boat, yep, it was kind of it was kind of a college okay. uh, learning environment. We were doing it with Russian and American okay. students, and uh, we were learning about czars and all this other stuff. And all of a sudden, they said, "Stop the class, turn the t- TV on." So they turned it on to BBC or CNN or whatever, and we're watching these tanks shell oh, the Parliament goodness. building. And literally, we we could walk to the window outside and see the smoke. Wow, from where it was. <laughs> So the other thing that we did there was we went into the schools and we taught English or went to, went into orphanages and just met with these kids, which was awesome. I'll talk about that in a bit. But they immediately said, okay, while this is going on, nobody is allowed. You could kind of go in a certain perimeter around Moscow, but no one is allowed to go in the center of the city, like where this um, fighting is taking place. Yeah. And, of course, being very young and stupid. Yeah. 
we're like, well, let's just go a couple stops in. Just, you know, my buddy and I, let's go a couple stops in. And pretty soon we found ourselves right, right down in there the yeah. by the mm-hmm. parliament. So we're just like, oh, let's let's walk down there. But there's, there's no fighting going on there right now. At 15 years old. <laughs> so we, we walk down there. There's tanks literally rolling down the streets beside us, making impressions in the cement because they're so heavy. It's like I, in a I movie. remember that. It was like a movie. Soldiers with their AK 47s. This perimeter blocked off around the White House. We literally walked up to the edge of the perimeter, got our picture with these soldiers with AK 47s. Oh my. I don't I don't have it. I can't find it, but um, and looked at all the the shell holes in the burning White House. Your mom would have been having a conniption fit if she had known her yeah. little boy. I know, I was just thinking that, like that's Bennett in like four years. Four and a half his years. Age, that's his age. That's not what he'll be doing. That's what I'm saying. Doing. Can you yeah. imagine? No. If that was our son? That's crazy. Ah, I'm sure your mom would not have allowed you to go had she known you were going to no, so she, obviously she disobey. But what a cool, I just think how cool it is that God was obviously preparing you for something um, and knew you needed to go through some of these legit <laughs> epic experiences in order to live out the calling that he has for you. I just, I think how cool that, I mean, not many people can say they went to Russia at 15, lived on a boat and saw the Russian White House being bombed. Yeah. I looked it up just to refresh my memory and it was the worst, um, worst fighting in Russian history since the revolution. Wow. That, that day. So mm-hmm. I think like, or that there's like a six or seven day period. And I think almost 200 people died wow. and 400 plus people were injured wow. in that fighting. So wow, that's wow. pretty crazy. So tell us about the orphanage stuff. That the you orphanages, I mean, just would, would melt your heart and break your heart. There mm-hmm. was one orphanage that I remember that we went into and we were always told, like, just be polite, eat the food that they give you, which was awful, <laughs> awful. We had borscht on the, which is like a cabbage stew, mm-hmm. if you don't know. Um Ugh. Or beet stew, sorry. Oh. It's like shredded beets. Oh, Heather would hate that. With you, you put a little sour cream on top, but you kind of learned to like it because there was nothing else. Because that's to what eat. you eat. Wow. Yeah, it's either that or starve. So I feel like I should send my children over there. Yeah, it's great. It's great to appreciate mm-hmm. what we have here. Yeah. But you go to the orphanages, and they had less than we had on the mm-hmm. ship, so they were just making borscht of uh, who knows tires and whatever else, and throwing the you know whatever beets they had in there. Mm-hmm. So we. Um, we'd go in there and the kids were so happy to see us. They would just, they would, they would, they were like overjoyed. Mm-hmm. And there's this one little orphanage. I'll never forget that some of the orphanages, they were, um, like by disability of the mm-hmm. kids. Okay. And so this one orphanage, I don't know what the disease was, but they, their eyes like all like looked different ways. Mm-hmm. Like so they, they were cross-eyed? Yeah, cross-eyed or something, yeah. but it was like an eye disease okay. for sure. But they all had some sort of eye disease. And uh, I just remember the, these kids just love, they would just jump in your arms mm-hmm. and love on you. And, hmm. you know, obviously wanted you to take them home with them. Oh. And, um, it, yeah, it broke your heart. But it You're was really like, I'm awesome. You're I'm not I'm ready like to 15. be a dad yet. <laughs> but it was cool. It prepared me, prepared my dad's heart. and. Hmm. Well, and you're so tender-hearted as it is. I imagine that probably was very difficult for you to see such need. Mm-hmm. These children who are hungry and 
without mm-hmm. parental love and then to have to turn and walk away from that. Yeah. That had to be very difficult. There was a, there was a lot of need, you know, whether it was just in the subway, mm-hmm. um, in the schools we were in, or in the orphanages, there was just need everywhere. But the awesome thing was that communism had been broken. Yeah. And there was hope. And there was hope again. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it was a pretty amazing time to be there. Yeah. Do you feel like that really shaped you? that time being there? Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was an experience that definitely shaped my life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It gave, it gave me a vision for something outside of just Canada or America. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the needs within my own countries as well. Was that the first time that you had traveled internationally? Um, I think I'd been to Mexico maybe. Okay. Yeah. Besides the U.S. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Because that you really you've always had a love for maps and travel yeah. and um, geography, and so I can imagine that that probably played a part in it too yeah. of you. And now you could travel all around the world and see people of all different types of cultures. And- my, my family was really good about traveling and taking trips. We went, we went to Texas when I was young, which is, you know, driving from Canada is a long way. Well, I mean, going to Texas is like going to another country. It is going. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then went to the West Coast quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. and uh, within Canada traveled quite a bit. But I remember before the days of the internet, I'd collect like the travel magazines yeah. nice. from different states. I'd like write to the different states, and they'd send you the magazines, and then I'd like look through them and learn all, the, all this stuff <laughs> about them. And I had a pile of them. My brother makes fun of me because he said I wouldn't let them let him touch them. Because he'd bend the pages. Oh, yeah. He'd probably wreck them. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were on vacation with them just a week and yeah. a half ago, and he was making fun of you one day mm-hmm. in the pool, yeah. and he said that when you all were young, you would let him look at the magazine with you, but you <laughs> had to turn the pages. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. It could have been exaggerated. <laughs> Maybe slightly exaggerated. Uh, second boards often exaggerate. Timified? Did he timmy it? Yeah. Timified I think he it. might have timmy it up. That's so funny. <laughs> I remember a couple years ago, you explaining to our son Bennett, because he also likes maps, that Google Maps used to not exist, and you would have to actually have like the foldable maps. You know, the hu- you'd open them up in the car mm-hmm. and be like, was you know, he dumbfounded? Be- oh, he was just like, what? He's like, what if you're going to more than one state? Well, then you'd have to have like four maps, one for every state, and you have to use that to find the roads that you needed to go on. Yep. He couldn't even comprehend it. That, isn't that crazy? What a huge shift. Just from one generation. One generation. I know. It's, it's amazing. I know. Speaking of generations. I know exactly what you're going to say. Did you see that they just reclassified our generation? Yes. It's like a seven-year window. Okay. It's from you to you. It's yes. from Chris, who was born in 77, yep. to you, to who was born in 83. So So what are we now? Okay. Well, look it up, Heidi, because I can't remember the name of it. It used to be... So we were, Chris, it like you and I were. or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Xennials or something. I know. We'll, we'll get corrected by someone. I think it's Xennial. We used to be Gen X, Generation X, and you were Millennial. Yes. And I remember having this conversation and being like, I really don't feel like I fit in Gen X. Like, right. I feel like I'm like on the very end of it. And you would say, well, I don't feel like I fit in the Millennial. Right. Okay. Well, they finally listened. Okay. And they reclassified it. I know. So, isn't that crazy? Yeah. But it's only like seven years. But the, the expl- explanation that they gave was brilliant. And I was like, yes, this is exactly how I feel. Because so, we don't fit in 
Gen X. We don't fit in either one. And Heidi doesn't own. fit in. Right, millennial. Here's okay. why. Because we were young enough when the technology boom happened that we adapted very easily. Right. So, but like we're old enough that we didn't grow up with cell phones. So, like I didn't get my first phone, handheld cell phone, until I was like 25 or 26. And texting wasn't a thing until I was in my mid-20s. Okay, and it was like it was really hard for me to like be like, oh yeah, I, I want to figure out this texting thing. I remember even saying to a friend, yeah, I'm not going to do that. It's too difficult. Funny. To figure remember out. when texting was so difficult because yes. you only had like the T9. number. Yes, T- yeah. yes. So, but we were young enough that we've adapted well sure. to technology. Right. Okay, where like some Gen Xers, older Gen Xers, have had a little bit more trouble adapting because it, it is a lot more. Right they've gone through a lot more life. Right. Where millennials pretty much were born in the technology world and have never known, like like Bennett, he's not a millennial, but, you know, people like him who've never known anything. I mean, they got cell phones when they were six. Right. You mm-hmm. know? So we didn't fit in that. And um, it was funny. They were like, yeah, they're, these, this is the generation that never missed an episode of ER and Friends. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> that's us. That's hilarious. So, I think it's pretty cool that they reclassified it. Well, it makes sense that none of us felt like we fit into the right. correct label. Right. Then again, when have we ever? But, well, that's true. Yeah. True story. So I thought that was cool. kind of cool. Anyway, you were going to say something? Um, yeah, but I just had a mommy brain moment and it left me. So. Oh, that's okay. Um, okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. So you were in Russia and then you came back to North America. Yep. And you ended up going on to serve um, this organization mm-hmm. then. Did you go home for a while? You went home for a while, I went right? home for maybe six months or so, not that long. Okay. And then I went down to Indianapolis mm-hmm. and uh, really worked uh, with this organization down there to mm-hmm. serve the city. Um, primarily when I got there, it was working in the inner city uh, to help do whatever, mm-hmm. um, just yep. to love on the people and yeah. to... To show them Jesus. Yeah. And uh, it was rough. It was, um, that was a hard time for me personally, just because mm-hmm. it was um, a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. but it was good for me. Yeah. Uh, I just, I remember seeing, I remember this basement that was basically filled with sewage. Mm. The most disgusting thing I've ever done. Clean that out. Hmm. Wow. Like um, we're talking four or five feet of the nastiest mm-hmm. thing you can imagine and yeah. like shoveling that out load by load hmm. and taking a shower that night and wondering if you'd ever be small clean again mm-hmm. Wow, type of thing. I just, hmm. it's hard to believe that people live that way mm-hmm. in North America. Yeah. So you lived in Indy for four years? Three or four years. Okay. Yep. Um, got the opportunity to work in their transportation department Mm -hmm. and I loved that because of the travel aspect. So I got to drive all around the country, um, helping logistics, um, setting up hotels and uh, helping with food and, and picking up people from the airport. That's how I met you. That's right. That's how you met me. (laughs) That's how I met you. Okay. This is incredible to me. And part of this, like this organization really did promote young people being in leadership roles and and developing their leadership skills at a very young age. And so, and it's the same organization we were in. Right. But um, it's crazy to me, some of the things that we were doing at the young ages. Mm -hmm. You were driving across the country in 15 passenger van at 17 years old, right? With other students. 16 or 17. 
with yeah. other students in like it. Like actually driving the vehicle all the way across well, to would, the West Coast. Yeah, for instance, so I'd drive from Indianapolis to, say, Portland, and then I'd do um, by myself, and then I'd pick up people at the airports there and do the logistics for, like, a Portland, a Seattle, Vancouver, Canada, Los Angeles seminars. That's insane to yeah. me. So but, you'd be in that location for a week, and you would help that team that had flown in or yes, whatever yeah. do everything they needed that week and transport them back and forth and back and forth run to the airport yeah you realize that's not what normal 16 year olds do right i realize that yeah. <laughs> i mean i think about this now i and know if my children were like yeah we're gonna go and serve this week-long seminar and oh by the way a 16 year old's gonna drive us everywhere i know heck to the freaking no i know <laughs> insane oh, but you loved it I loved you were it. so yeah. good at it yeah, i loved it i yeah. mean it fulfilled my travel bug that i yeah. had always had and yeah meeting new people new places and yeah uh, well and it's so cool i mean that's so unconventional mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it is so cool how i mean god clearly specifically wired you mm-hmm. to be someone that travels mm-hmm. and to enjoy it and to be so good at it like you are so calm and peaceful mm-hmm. to travel with yeah i i just told you when we were traveling last week with you guys uh, traveling with you is is such a breeze because you it's just fun. You're not stressed about anything. And Chris takes care of everything and he's never stressed. And we sit and drink cappuccinos. That's right. And so we're just along for the ride. And yeah. but I think it's so cool that God just wired you so uniquely and specifically and then gave you these way out of the box experiences yeah. in order to help you fulfill that and to fuel yeah, it's it pretty, and that's pretty awesome when you well think it's incredible it. and if you think about what you do now so you do ministry and you do you travel mm-hmm. for your job yeah. for your paid job and those are like those are the things that god was allowing you to do as a kid absolutely to prepare yeah. you for what he's got had for you as an adult yeah. so it's it's crazy when you can look all look back and see how god led you every step of the way yeah it just awesome. orchestrates and is so into the details of our yeah. lives. And mm-hmm. Well, I think you you know, you know said it earlier. I, would I let my 15-, 16-year-old leave and do that now? No. But, um, and I don't fault my parents at all. I mean, no. that's, right. this is how, this was God's plan. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I missed out on some things at home. Yeah. And some there's some regrets there, absolutely. But yeah. I know God had a plan in it and a purpose in it. And so how I choose to respond to that, right? Uh, how we choose to respond to that is is huge. Yeah. And you can respond. There's a lot of stuff that happens to you that's not mm. of your choice, but how you respond to it mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Yeah. Makes all the difference. Okay, so talk to us about, because you get this question all the time. I get it. We get it sometimes, Heidi, both, both of us. But um, you didn't go to college. Correct. Um, Obviously, with all of these experiences, you'd had way more education right. than most people will have in a lifetime. Um, but why why did you not go to college, and do you feel like that has affected you negatively or set you back? Um, no, I don't think it's affected me negatively. Um, did you make a choice not to go to college? I did. I could have gone. I was actually... I was actually working for a college, a law college, mm-hmm. uh, when you and I were dating. Yep. And um, I would I had thought about going to that yeah. through that school. Yeah. Uh, and then when I, when I realized what it meant to be a lawyer and yeah. what you'd what you'd have to do, it just I realized it wasn't my it wasn't you thing. Right. I I couldn't sit there and study and be in one place and 
uh, for that long, that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And so I chose not to, to do that, to mm-hmm. pursue that path. But um, I worked for a college. I just never went to one. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. And do you think that it has um, lessened your success or held you back? No, I don't think so. I think, um, you know, and I'm not saying anything against college. Sure. Absolutely. Like, right. It's definitely whether you for go, some whether people. you don't go, yeah. I think it, I think success is built more on your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's built more on your work ethic mm-hmm. um, than whether you have a certain piece of paper or don't. Mm. Well, and God has given you so much favor in in your current job. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've been there how many years in your current role? Um, Thirteen, I believe. Wow. Well, yeah. tell us that story because I love that one so much, and I think that that can speak to a lot of people. And just because it was an attitude issue, really. So tell it us It goes that. back to the heart thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we, we were living in California, mm-hmm. Heather and I were uh, newly married. And yeah. we knew God was calling us back to, to Illinois to be um, or, you know, around family to raise kids mm-hmm. that we didn't have yet. Right. And we clearly knew that we just didn't have a job lined out for us. Yeah. So we came back long I was on my knees praying every day you that you would probably, move home. That's probably I'm the serious. reason. You know, we were actually talking about this the other day. Neither of us remember actually making that decision. Yeah, like, I know. we don't it's we don't I prayed that Jesus We don't would just remember bring you going home. like this like we have to move back. Yeah. And yet now looking back on it, like we clearly were compelled yeah. right to come back yeah. here and live here. Yeah, it's just kind of, we had taken a, um, we looked at taking a job in Phoenix, which would have made every yeah. um, financial sense, which yeah. would logically, have made, it made logical a lot of sense, sense yeah. but yeah. we turned that down. We just didn't feel like that's the way God was calling us. And obvious, it's obvious now, right. yeah. but sometimes in those moments, you don't know, and it's, it is a faith journey. Yeah. And so for whatever reason, we, we packed up and we came back. And the reasons are obvious now, but... Um, when you moved home without a job. Without a job, yeah. 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 It's not like you were coming to Illinois, no. not Heather, you know, home for you, but you right. weren't coming to Illinois with the promise of this great mm-hmm. new job or right. really for a, a purpose that was mm-hmm. seen right. other than to be near family. And we struggled for a couple years yeah, trying to tried, find our footing here. We yeah. tried to do a few things. I tried yeah. to do a few things and failed miserably at them honestly entrepreneurial type yeah Yeah. but it was the best thing i could have done yeah um is sometimes you need to to fail in order to succeed yeah and um so this opportunity entry-level job at the place i work now came along and i applied for it and um i think someone at the church we're going to at the time Mm -hmm. referred me there and Mm -hmm. um started there just very entry level, mm-hmm. as, as about, about as entry level as you can get without maybe sw- sweeping the floors and cleaning yeah. the toilets. And um, it was a job. I, I, I treated it as a mm-hmm. you eight, didn't love eight to it. five job. I yeah. didn't love it. No. But you were behind a desk. I was behind just a desk. Totally opposite from what yeah. you'd experienced. In a brand and new industry that you knew nothing yeah, about. Yeah, I knew nothing about this industry. And I thought, I thought it was going to be a stepping stone to something else. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll just work here for... A year or two, and mm-hmm. then just put my time in, punch the clock, yeah, and then I'll be done with this. Yeah, and and I, I can attest to you coming home being not thrilled about your job, right? You know, not having. I mean, you've always been a positive person, so I wouldn't say that you were like real outwardly negative, but I can right. tell that you didn't love it for sure. Yeah, it definitely. It wasn't like. Um, absolutely jumping up and down Mm-mm. to go to work every day. It wasn't my no. passion. Um, 
but the more and more, I think a couple of years went by and I actually looked for something else mm-hmm. and I, I just felt like God was working on my heart again. Like it's not the job, it's you, Chris. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt. And, um, you know, you, you look at the story of Joseph, um, in the Bible and he's a guy who had this huge vision early in his life. So much so that he he uh, he told his dad and brothers, you know, the his, the dreams he had, and they're going to be bowing down to him one day. Well, yeah. it's you know, a little cocky and arrogant, maybe yeah. Joseph, and yeah. he probably shouldn't have temper your words a little bit. Tempered or t- should yeah. have tempered what he he dreamed there, but I mean, it did eventually come to pass. But the process to get him there was absolutely massive. Yeah, I mean, becoming a slave and. I in no way I'm saying I was a slave in that job, but right. But the faithfulness that he we're did scooping some poop <laughs> in every moment of his life, you know, um, when he was in Potiphar's house, mm-hmm. um, it says in the Bible it says that Potiphar's house was blessed mm-hmm. because Joseph was there, mm-hmm. and then you know Potiphar's wife makes the accusation against him mm-hmm. and he gets thrown in prison. And all he did was basically bless, financially bless Potiphar, like yep. done nothing but good for this guy. Right. He gets thrown in prison. Like, hmm. well, God, what's going on? That, yeah. I, and he could have, he could have chosen to got very angry and pack the towel and then, but he didn't. He goes in the prison, makes the prison a success. Yeah. Basically, the warden hands the keys of the prison over to him. Hmm. He answers the dreams of the butler and the baker. Um, the butler forgets about him and the baker dies, of course. Mm-hmm. Butler forgets about him. And then again, he could have, you know, been upset I got again at that point. Right. But he didn't. He was faithful every step of the way. Mm-hmm. So he goes from the the prison to the palace. Mm-hmm. And eventually he becomes the most powerful man next to Pharaoh himself. Yeah. And God has this whole process that he's working for. But I say all that to say that God's looking for that faithful heart. Yeah. And it's in the process of the stuff that we take for granted every day, the daily grind. Mm -hmm. I think that's where if you allow God to do the work in that, in those moments, then you're going to really, you'll enjoy that process, but um, you'll get, you'll be that faithful Joseph and you'll be that guy at the end of the day, but it's not going to, it's not, it doesn't happen. Nothing happens overnight. No, there's always a process. Yeah. So what happened as you, because I remember this too, you made a, like, it was almost like a light switch decision Mm -hmm. to go, okay, this is the job God's given me. I am going to have a good attitude about it. And like something switched and like, we could all see it. Mm -hmm. There was a, a change in your personality and your, your demeanor about your job. And from there, what happened? Um, It was when I realized that work, work unto the Lord, like work, with anything that you do has got to be excellence before the Lord. Anything that you do has got to be worship before the Lord. Worship is my heart bowing before him Mm -hmm. and then treating anything I do. So if I'm I'm a mechanic, Mm -hmm. my wrenches are my tools of worship. If Mm -hmm. I'm a chef, then my spatula is my tool of Mm -hmm. worship. If I'm a a singer, then my microphone is my tool of worship. If I'm a salesman, Mm -hmm. then anything that I do in, Mm -hmm. in my course of my day, it's not, I'm not working for X, Y, and Z company. Mm. I'm working for the Lord Jesus, like wherever I am. So good. So when I, it wasn't until that shifted mm-hmm. in my mind and really in my heart, mm-hmm. 
then I begin to enjoy my job. Yeah. And then I begin to get promoted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those two worked hand in hand. But that's why I talk so much about the heart shift. Like it has to happen inside of us first. Yeah. The kingdom inside of us, the invisible, becomes the kingdom around us. Yeah. Well, and you've been talking a lot over the last few years mm-hmm. about our heart condition. Mm-hmm. So we all lead a church together yeah. with some other amazing couples. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll sit around as a team and and communicate and pray and talk about church and vision cast and dream. But I would say the whole time that we've been in, in existence as a church, you have had this ongoing theme about what's the condition of our hearts. Yeah. And the thing I think is so cool about you, Chris, is that um, you are incredibly teachable, but you lead with so much humility. And so it makes it so... Um, easy to want to like take hold of what you are asking us to do Mm -hmm. what you are encouraging us to do so like you're talking about hey guys let's really examine our hearts and it's never done in arrogance Mm -hmm. like i've been under teaching before Mm -hmm. where people talk about your heart and your attitude and it's kind of like well i don't really want to emulate what i see Mm -hmm. so i don't know that i can receive what's being taught whereas in your life i just feel like there is a, a lot of humility and the heart that you've been so faithful to work on and your attitude towards Jesus is something that for me personally, I want to emulate. And so I think it's very apparent that God spoke that to you and has been working that in you, but you've been so faithful to walk it out. Mm-hmm. So you. well done. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Thanks. So you get to travel a lot with your job. Yeah. So now same company, 13, yeah. 14 years later. So and cool. Absolutely love my job. Yeah. Get to travel a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Great relationships with people there. Great relationships with people there and all across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's truly uh, a ministry for me. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, we, we talk sometimes about wanting to be in ministry. Well, everyone's in ministry. Like, yeah. there's no such thing as full-time ministry. Well, yeah. there is. We're all in it. Yeah. Right. Whether you get a check from, from X, a church. ABC Church or not. Right. Like, that's... Uh, it's it's kind of bogus. Like we're all full-time ministers yeah. of God. Wherever we are. And it's just about realizing that and, and um, realizing the influence that you have where you are and using the influence wherever you are, whether like Joseph, mm-hmm. you're in a prison, mm-hmm. you're in Potiphar's house, you're in a pit, wherever you are, like you've got to use that influence. Mm-hmm. You use the instruments that you've been given at that time and let God worry about your future. And I think also not looking at your past and saying, well, because this happened to me, I cannot do this today. Or because I didn't have this training. Like I think a lot of times people look at maybe something from their childhood or I'm not discrediting things that people have gone through, but they use that as a crutch to not move forward in what mm-hmm. the call of God is for them today. Like I feel like you could easily have done that. Said like, okay, well, I had these traumatic experiences or you know, I didn't live at home in my teenage years, so, you know, that affected me, or I didn't go to college, so that affected me, and yet you took those things, and and God used them to work for your good in your adult life, which I think is, is really awesome, that it, it helped shape you and form you in a positive way. Well, God's Word says that the steps of the righteous man are directed by the Lord, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think that no matter what we walk through. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we hear this a lot in, mm-hmm. in church ministry of like, yeah. well, I have just been hurt. Yeah. Like, because of what I've been through, yeah. uh, like, I'm just stagnant. Yeah. And I think the reality is we've all been hurt, Yeah, whether it's 
in a church or outside of a church, if you're human, mm-hmm. you've been hurt by another human. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, that's not any reason at all to step off the field, right? To sit on the bench, to stop playing, you know. And so mm-hmm. I think, from what from my perspective, Chris, as your friend, as your sister, is you've done a really good job at taking some very unique experiences mm-hmm. and y- letting God use them for His good and for His mm-hmm. glory, right? And not having it bench you. That's that's good. It's a good word. Yeah. Yeah, because Jesus is always calling each one of us forward. Like he's, we're, we're those fishermen in the boats, mm-hmm. and he's coming along and saying, come and follow me. And mm-hmm. that following is like mm-hmm. actually us taking steps. Yep. Right. Like it's us obeying and taking one step after the other. And it might be through some weird or nasty stuff, mm-hmm. but if you're following Jesus, you just follow him. And you you may not know, yeah, none of us know what it looks like a year, two years, 10 years down the road. Yeah. But if you're following Jesus, that's all you need to, to he'll drive the ship. He'll, yeah. he'll set the course. Yeah. We just need to take the steps. So you turned 40 two days ago. I did. <laughs> Happy birthday. Again. Um, what would you say to your 20 year old self? If you could go back and talk to Chris Taves, a 20 year old. You're about to meet your wife. That's what you'd say. Had you he met Heather at 20? Yeah, he'd already met me. We've known each other for 20 years. That's crazy. Oh, crazy. Yeah. What would I say? Um, I think I would say this. I would say Colossians 2, 6, and 7. And now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong. And the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Mm-hmm. So it all goes back to what you're putting in, mm-hmm. to Jesus, to mm-hmm. yeah, it's, letting that be the most important thing in the center of your life. Yep. It's growing those roots down deep so yeah. nothing can shake you. Yeah. And and then it will overflow. I love that part because mm-hmm. you'll overflow. Mm-hmm. And that overflow is going to spill over onto other people. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what I was talking about. Like I feel like the overflow of your life has spilled over into our marriage, into our children, into me, into our church. Yeah. Into your leaders. Yeah, and absolutely. future generations. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Because it's not just about this generation. Yeah. It's about all of eternity. So that's what I'd say. That's good. That's good, Chris. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, part of your story. Yeah, I got lots more. I know, you have lots more. We'll have to have you back sometime. <laughs> Thanks you for having me on. You. You're such a like laid back, chill guy. You never would you wouldn't look at him and be like, he must have the most awesome stories in the world. And yet he does. Well, I think that he's the kind of guy that if you take time to listen mm-hmm. instead of always trying to talk, mm-hmm. you you hear some really, really great wisdom come yeah, out of him. Some and wealth. some cool experiences, yeah. yeah I'm for not sure. gonna be the loudest voice in the room. No. no. Usually. That's usually a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed our time with Christopher Taves. And thankfully he's not in his underwear. <laughs> oh, so if you guys do not follow him on Instagram, oh yeah. Here's my sister plug. Yeah. Not just as a sister, but as the host of the H and H hour here. So Chris's Instagram mm-hmm. is so encouraging. Yeah. Um, you know how some people's Instagram, you kind of like have that line of, man, I don't want to unfollow them because they're my friend. But or I really I, don't like what they post. Yeah. Yes. Chris is not that way. His his um, Instagram is so encouraging. So he's at Chris V, 
as in Verdon. Yep. Taves, T-O-E-W-S. And Chris, you post the most awesome, encouraging things. Thank you. And all of your photos are your own photos. And then, but you just like post mm-hmm. the coolest stuff with it. So follow Chris yep. and uh, and then read what he posts. Don't just like scroll past his photos. Mm-hmm. Read what he posts because it's always so good. Yep. And I always know that it's going to encourage me. Yep, for sure. So. Oh, and Heidi, we are doing our drawing for the giveaway that oh, we had yes. last week. Yeah. We had Megan Holly from Ethic Goods on. Wasn't Her story was incredible. Incredible. I <laughs> loved it so much. If you didn't hear it, jump back and listen. Yeah. You, you will not regret it. It's right. so good. And we're still through the whole month of July. Ethic Goods was sponsored, sponsored last week's show. Yes. And they were so incredible to give us 20% off all of our listeners to ethicgoods.com yeah um and there's some beautiful jewelry on there that you know when you purchase it Heidi you're not yes you're buying a beautiful piece of jewelry for yourself but you're impacting another woman's life in a massive way like you're helping employ them yes to sustain you know life for their family and so I love to buy things that I know are actually impacting someone and not just going to a big corporate right um so go jump over to ethic goods pick something up and get it for a gift. Get early Christmas gifts. Absolutely. I mean, goodness, it's July, but 20% off. You can't beat it. No kidding. Um, and then we'll do our drawing. Okay. Um, we'll post it on our Instagram. Yeah, we'll post the winner on Instagram because yep. they, they donated a beautiful dream bracelet. Love it. So, okay, so we'll post that soon. Thanks for listening. We're so glad that you did, and we will see you next time. <laughs>